Hey, thanks everyone. Now, now, now it's the Q&A portion of the event. So if you have any questions, we have some experts that volunteered to provide those toolbox talks. So this is uh, an awesome time. If you have something on your mind. Hey, I have yeah. uh, uh, maybe a couple comments. Employer, I, I listen and I think so often that being in business, one of the things that we have to deal with is uh, the liability that we expose ourselves to. And it's always a fine line of wanting to show compassion and wanting to educate. And yet there's always this fear that at some point something is going to happen and you're going to be questioned uh, about the culture you created that, you know, we've been geared zero tolerance, zero acceptance, and yet that doesn't help the addict and that doesn't help the person that needs treatment. But yet as an employer, I always worry that something even completely unrelated to one's usage could happen. And then you're dealing with these uh, personal injury attorneys who didn't you knowingly uh, show a willingness to allow people the, that you knew had problems, that knew had a history of abuse, et cetera, et cetera. And it, it's just a, it's a difficult place to be in as an employer. You know, a felon comes to you that made a mistake, paid his debt to society. And as much as I want to give them a second chance, there's always that fear that something unrelated could happen. And you're painted in this corner as somebody that knowingly and willingly put somebody on your payroll that had a history and it's just a, a horrible snafu that you're in that, uh, again, not to be bashing attorneys, but um, I always worry just about the liability. I would be very curious what language one might put into uh, an employee's handbook or uh, put out there that would not potentially bite you in the ass if there is an issue later. How, how do we show the compassion and care and willingness to fixing a problem without um, putting yourself at risk as an employer. I hope that makes sense. John, I'd be glad to take a stab at this. This is Carl. Hello. Um, you know, again, I, I happen to work for a captive insurance company. We're owned by 40 contractors, and this is very common what you're talking about is employment law, employment practices, bringing on folks. And we have a number of contractors around the country that work with the, the you know, the different uh, uh, correctional systems within their state to try to help rehabilitate and bring people back into uh, society as uh, productive citizens, and we've had a great deal of success. If I had my attorney hat on and I don't because I'm not and uh, I, I would always play this and I've, I'm, I'm, I've, I've spent some time defending contractors as a subject matter expert on a number of different things is always try to try to play the positive side of things we're gonna educate we're gonna enforce the rules we're gonna be consistent in our messaging and we're not going to break those rules for one employee for the other so it really starts before anyone comes on to the job and you know what your expectations are for your company and what you do because the reputation for your organization gets out into the 
out into the local area pretty quickly about, hey, they don't talk. Company reputation kind of helps on the front end. The second thing is the minute that they walk in the door, they become your employees. You have to make sure that the education, training, paperwork, onboarding is consistent throughout. Ongoing consistency. Where we've seen our trouble is doing one thing for one employee, one thing for another employee, or not enforcing the rules, particularly at the field level. That's always very tough. And when we do our perception surveys, a lot of supervisors don't feel comfortable uh, disciplining employees. They're friends. They fish together. People are mean or they're going to get rid of people if they look the wrong way. So you have both both sides of the fence on that. But back to the consistency, clarity, ongoing. Now, the thing that we've also seen that can be improved as well, just because we hand someone a piece of paper, do they truly understand? And they're getting that signature. So we're really you know, trust but verify. Have them kind of tell us what they just read instead of just signing off. And I think that our HR folks that are out there, they'll probably tell you the same as getting a signature is one thing, but we're trying to, to get a little deeper these days. And, you know, do you know what you just signed? Particularly, we're in an industry in many areas of the country, English is the second, uh, English may be the second language. So do they truly understand what they're signing? Trust but verify. And then also, We've got to do some training and education, not because we want to, not because we have to, because it's the right thing to do. And when we're doing this ongoing training and education and signing and stuff, again, you're building this reputation of a company that cares. Do we have people that fall through the cracks? Every organization does. But, you know, if I was trying to defend or work with one of our contractors in a situation, I would rather have someone that's doing a lot of proactive things and instead of... Uh, you know, just waiting for things to come to us. So uh, again, as always, this is kind of the, you, you should always check with your labor attorney on what kind of language you have coming through the door. That, that's uh, just, just always good advice that we tell our, uh, our folks. But again, clarity, consistency, and then make sure that education and training that it's not just one and you're done, but ongoing. And remind these folks, this is a team thing. This is not just executive management or HR or safety, but you know the reputation of your company and how you deal with these folks goes a long way. So uh, in working with your HR folks, making sure the employment package, and even you know when employees are terminated, you know that exit interview, if you can even get one, those things are always important. Build your case that you're a good employee, you care about it, you understand drug and alcohol issues, specifically opioids. And, uh, you know, again, unfortunately or fortunately, we're in the United States and people can sue for just about everything. So hopefully that helped a little bit. We can always talk offline for some more details if you'd like. Back to you, John. John, I'm going to hop in here real quick. This is Rachel. Um, I just wanted to, to add one thing to everything that Carl said. So sometimes when you are bringing an employee back to work after they have been absent for treatment or for some, some other reason, we, some organizations, some companies sign a return to work agreement that is premised on um, more frequent drug testing, slightly different conditions for that particular employee. And there's some actually some precedent for doing it prior to hire as well. There's a group in, I think it's it's, I think it's Indiana. It could be Ohio. It's, I think it's Indiana though. And it, it Belden um, and their manufacturer and they, 
no, they what they recognized was that um, a significant portion of their applicants as new hires were not able to pass a drug screen. So what they did is they actually started a program recognizing, hey, you're misusing X, Y, or Z. It wasn't specific to opioids. So we're going to get you into treatment. We're hiring you and we're getting you into treatment and you're not going to be in a safety sensitive position until you've completed X, Y, and Z. And it was all a contractual process. And the employee, again, to Carl's point, of course, that we have to understand what we're signing and what it actually means. But there is some precedent for being able to work in some language there about what that return to work, especially in light of substance use, actually means. And that can also help. Um, obviously, this has to go through whatever legal authority you work with and abide by all sorts of different regulations, federal, state, local, union, etc. But that is also a way to, to when you bring people back to the workplace, especially after a safety incident that has been related to impairment or a positive drug screen, that you can, can really write in what's necessary to protect yourself as well. So I just wanted to add that on. Thank you. Thanks to both of you for that response. <clears throat> That, that uh, I, I appreciate that, and there were some very um, pertinent things brought up, and, and yet, um, ultimately, sadly, at this stage of my career, I see myself up on a stand, uh, say for a safety violation that had nothing to do with opioid use, but the individual who may have played a role had a history of usage and he was tested afterwards. He was not hot. This is completely unrelated to opioids. And yet I end up on the stand and the question is, Mr. Bernstein, did you hire this individual knowing that they had a past history of drug use? Yes. No further questions. And, and, you know, sadly, that's, again, that's just a, a failure of our legal system in this country. But uh, it, it just as with the convicted felon, people say, well, there's such a high likelihood of recidivism. Well, that's because they so infrequently get second chances, because they can't find gainful employment, because they are sitting at home, because they are frustrated, and, and the same thing I understand goes with uh, relapse and drug use that um, one tends to, to lead to the other. But uh, as an employer, it really is a conundrum because I, I want so badly to uh, extend my, my arm and compassion and friendship and support and what resources can we get to you. But I, 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 it's just terrifying that you get this reputation as somebody who's soft on addiction, soft on drugs, that, um, and, and it's, you know, I, I would like to chat with you guys more in depth. I don't want to hog the conversation, but, um, and, and we are seeing, we're seeing already with uh, medical professionals, there's clear and their strategy and their recognition of their liability that um, it's less frequent that we're seeing the pills prescribed so willingly. And if you want them, you go to your doctor and you get them. I'm not giving them to you. And I have had, I've had people say that they got injured on a Friday. And by the time they got through the ER, the ER docs refused to give them opioids. And they couldn't see their doctor over the weekend. And Monday rolls around and the pain's not what it was on Friday. And I've had people say to me, I have to tell you, 
if they would have given me the pills, I would have taken them. Unquestionably, because that's what we're conditioned. They gave that to you for a reason, to moderate pain. So you take them. And yet I've had more than one person say that just through uh, the over-the-counter pain relief, and I was uncomfortable, but you know what? I got through the weekend. And by the time Monday rolled around, I thought, do I really want to make an appointment with my primary care doc to get the high-octane stuff? No. So I, I, we are seeing somewhat of a culture change already within the medical community, which now we can all recognize was long overdue. But um, And John and I were talking uh, on the front end, maybe before a few of you were on, that with the, the my God, with what's happening right now in this country between the civil unrest and COVID-related concerns and joblessness and stress, and, and not to mention the resources, like as we're doing this meeting, it's, it's not the same as being in the same room with you guys and, and the eye contact and the nonverbal stuff, but how many of the support systems that people had have been interrupted. The, the meetings they used to attend to are no longer held in person. You're, not, you're, not, you're losing such an important part of your network in, in keeping clean and Anyways, I'll shut up now. I appreciate you guys listening. And John, thank you uh, for putting this together. And thanks everybody for, for your input. It, it is helpful. No, no, you had some valid comments and some great, a great question. Uh, you always add to, uh, to, uh, to uh, events, Howard. So thank you.